Can direct stimulus help Australia avoid a devastating recession? Let's have a look. Good evening, everyone. Florian Heiser here, and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. Tonight, I'm here with my Stein of Guinness, relaxing on a Friday, and I thought we'd go through this article, because it's an interesting one. There's calls or concerns in the media, and I know it's news.com.au, but bear with me, that Australia is potentially heading towards a devastating recession. And they, you know, they're arguing for monetary, direct monetary stimulus to help alleviate this. It'll avoid it. Because it was the silver bullet that helped Australia survive the GST. Ah, the GST and the GFC. I, this is my second guess for the night. One view, I just read a comment he left where he put some turf down, some nice shrubs. He's got a nice little place to relax in his backyard now after, uh, from the money that Rudd gave. I'd like to actually, you know, I'm building a back fence. What I would $900. Yeah, I could probably build a back fence for that. For 900 bucks. Yeah, maybe get a hammock too. Hammock would be nice and the nice trees there and relaxed. So, you know, doing my part, doing my part. What do you reckon, guys? Do you think this will, do you think this would work? Or do you think people will use it to pay down debt? Because our household debts are just so high at the moment. So here's why you should worry about recessions. They're very sneaky. The thing about recessions, you see, is they start before you realize. Economic data comes out after events happen, not before. Sometimes it is not until a recession is over that economists are able to figure out that we had one at all. Yes, yep, that's completely accurate. They're trying to predict the future on past information. It's, it's quite funny. So they stuff you up big time. They stuff you up permanently. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. You can recover. You can build up. Don't be such a, you know, a warrior. It'll all be good. It'll all be good. It's been a long time since that last recession. 28 years. It's easy to imagine we must be due for one now. I know, for more, I know more than a few young people who want a recession. They look forward to a nice cleansing fire, which will, they imagine, make houses more affordable. Oh, maybe it will. It'll be different this time. It'll be different this time because the author's drawing comparisons to previous recessions. But things are a little different these days. It's not like that. As the next chart shows, the biggest effect of recessions is that they cause large jumps in the number of people with no jobs. In the 1980s recession, the number of job seekers shot up by 240,000, a very large number given the population at the time. In the 1990s recession, the number of jobless rose by 460,000. Recessions cause sharp spikes in the number of unemployed. 140, 460, 196, the last one. An interesting thing, when I went to the bottle shop to buy my six pack of Guinness tonight, I asked the lady behind the counter how business was. And anecdotally, she said, oh, it's patchy, it's, it's quiet, it's quiet. You know, which is odd, because you think, you know, you either drink to celebrate or you drink to drown away the sorrows. <laughs> Maybe people just can't afford it because what is it? Half of what we pay on a drink is tax these days. I don't think they'd want people to avoid the unhealthy things. And, uh, you know, if you're on the keto diet like me, yeah, drinking like this is 
very bad because you feel it all the worse. Even eating like a piece of cake will make you feel hangover. So I'm not looking forward to tomorrow. Maybe a bit, few less videos tomorrow, guys. So in the 2008 GFC, we dodged a recession and unemployment rose by less. Of course, unemployment can also drift upwards when growth is merely low. For example, the era between 2011 and 2014, or the era from 2008 to now. To now, and I'm just gonna write the time down. And it's, uh, what's that, 4.32. And I will link to a video I did looking at just our growth over that period. And it shows you that over that period, we have been trending below growth. The economy has been depressed. It should have been about 10% bigger than it actually is. How many people would that employ? How many people would that employ? You'd hope 10% more, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, but when you actually get negative growth, the shrinking economy that we call a recession, the rate of job loss is both rapid and devastating. This is not just economic statistics, it is suffering. Families break down, suicides rise, people lose their homes and children go hungry. Well, yeah, this he's making a very important point here. And family breakdown, suicides, they're the big issues. And a lot of that drives from people losing their homes. And with interest rates so low and people are suffering mortgage stress at the moment. And even if interest rates go lower, the kicker is, what if you can't afford to refinance? What if you, you know, you go to a broker and they say, no, sorry, you know, your revenue, I couldn't even get you the loan you have now with the income you've got. What makes you think I can refinance? What if you're trapped in a apartment building that's no longer habitable? What if that's combined with a recession? So the effects of recession is enduring. On the day the recession ends, those people don't just stroll back to work. The chart above shows that although unemployment rises fast in recessions, it falls slowly afterwards. It may take years for unemployed people to find their way back to work. Some older people may never work again. Instead of retiring at a time of their choosing with enough super, they lost, lose their job, spend a humiliating few years applying for roles and never hearing back, perhaps driving Uber for a little while, then they're forced to admit that their work life is over. Well, nothing wrong with driving Uber. I've done it. You know, you got to do it. But this, I mean, here you go. You've got an opportunity that provides a means of income for people that, that didn't exist, that has burst in and destroyed an overly regulated government sector. And it's provided a wealth of opportunity to people and options that maybe have no other choice. So you've got you to look at it both sides, guys. Every time the government comes in to regulate something, it will create a monopoly. Because the government are the ones creating monopoly. They created the taxi industry monopoly. It was illegal for you to do Uber. What's happened? Now you've got all these taxi drivers that are pissed off because they've spent an insanely inflated amount of money for license plates that aren't really worth anything. Because it was an artificial monopoly. And I spoke to a senior police officer here in Queensland, and I asked her, when I, I was driving her in Uber, it's legal when I've been doing it, I said, why didn't the police enforce it? Why didn't they stop it? And she said, well, when judging the enforcement of these laws, we need to compare the, the cost to the benefit of the, of the community. So because Uber came in at such large forces, they just overwhelmed our police force, so they couldn't even 
police their own laws because it would have cost too much for the community. So what does that tell you? That tells you we all need to storm Area 51 and no one pays taxes for a month. But, you know, I'm having drinks here tonight. So, recessions permanently affect the wealth of the nation. The word economists use is hysterias. When you get a recession, the economy's lower growth path is not usually temporary, but permanent. Well, yes, it often doesn't catch up. You can see this on the next chart. By dodging the 2008 recession, Australia ended up with a higher GDP per capita than the US and an even bigger gap to the UK. Yes, but just think we should be 10% higher than this. 10% higher than this. And it's growing, it's slowing down per capita. We're in a per capita recession, aren't we? There you go. A permanently lower growth path leaves a country with less money than it would have otherwise had to spend on, in each household, and less to spend on hospitals, schools, infrastructure, and defense. In my lifetime, Australia has gone from being economically run-of-the-mill to one of the wealthiest countries in the world. A major reason for this is that we have not had a recession in an era where other countries have had several. So why we should spend? All this is simple to say. Avoiding a recession is an extremely, is an extremely important thing to do. There are two main tricks we can use to dodge a recession. But when one looks to be coming, Trick one is cutting interest rates. We've done that big time. Interest rates are at a record low of 1%, and expectations are that they will fall to even lower record lows. The second trick is using the national budget. One big theory of recession is that people simply aren't spending enough. We all get nervous and start saving, and that positive cycle of spending slows down. After all, one person's spending is another person's income. Well, yes, and another thing to realize is, I think I looked at an article the other day, 82% of people surveyed thinks a re think a recession's coming. Based on that alone, I'd say it's inevitable. How can you change that? Sure, you can print everything in the media and you can put it out there, but what would it take you to convince you that a recession isn't coming? I don't know, maybe insane flat-out work? Everyone busy? I don't know. A reason for it not to come, not just some government spending, not just little things trickling here. Or maybe not, not realizing how dependent we are on, uh, on certain foreign markets and certain materials. So in this theory, the government has a role to play. When households get nervous, it should get generous. Oh, we've heard this before, haven't we? Hmm. It's worked, hasn't it? If we close our wallets, it should open its wallet. By spending, it can keep the cycle of spending and income moving and prevent a collapse into recession. Kevin Rudd did this during the global financial crisis. In early 2009, the government gave $900 to around 8 million Australians, and it worked. While economists, economies in the rest of the world collapsed into recession, Australian retail sales jumped. To be fair, it was not just uh, about Rudd's fiscal policy. Yes, it wasn't. The Chinese government were also spending up big to prevent recession. We benefited from their expenditure too. I think we entirely benefited from their expenditure. We entirely did. I mean, what was that 900 million spent? What was all our infrastructure spent? So 
on roads, some travel benefits, some train benefits. Our power has gotten more and more expensive, more and more expensive. Our water infrastructure isn't keeping up with our population or our infrastructure. I mean, yeah, sure. Just give people money to spend on crap. That'll be imported from China anyway. That'll be imported from China anyway. There's, there's alternative approaches to this. Alternative approaches. So, of course, Kevin Rudd's stimulus spending was controversial. It sent the budget into deficit because the government spent more than they were getting in taxes. That added to the national debt. Nobody is saying that spending to avoid a recession is costless. Exactly, you're just pushing it on to future generations. To future generations. But when you dodge a recession, it is easy to focus on the debt you just built up. That The counterfactual scenario can't be seen. The mass unemployment you avoided is invisible. The risk is that we become complacent and don't do what's needed next time a recession is coming. So spend more, tax less. Government spending to avoid a recession includes both spending more and taxing less, some of which happens automatically. The government will naturally hand out more new start payments if more people are unemployed, and it will take less income tax and company tax as the economy falters. But the automatic component is not usually enough. Hence Rudd's $900 checks, Frydenberg's 1080 low and middle income tax offset, that many taxpayers got after lodging their returns this year is hopefully a bit helping a bit too. But the data we have on retail sales this year says they fell, so it may not have been enough. Will the government have the confidence to do more? Confidence to do more. Governments sometimes feel nervous about simply handing out cash. When they spend to prevent a recession, they often want something to show for it too. The Rudd government, for example, built school halls and subsidize the installation of ins the installation of insulation the bat scheme where people died the rba has called for the government to do infrastructure spending to help boost the economy and avoid a recession but it already is it already is it's a nice idea that the government is spending not only to dodge the recession but to see the country up for the future at the same time the problem with this approach is that it can be slow you're going to spend on infrastructure you can't spend it all right now. Projects need to be properly designed. They talk about projects being shovel ready, but few actually are. What's more, if you use infrastructure projects to boost the economy, it is hard to turn off the spending taps when the risk of recession is over. Big projects take years and usually run late. The weakness in spending in the Australian economy right now is in households, and so it is household budgets that need the most propping up. Cutting taxes on households and boosting payments to households are far simple ways to help prop up household budgets. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. How about we allow households to write off the interest on their mortgages for their primary residence? Make that a tax deduction. Don't hand out these checks. Don't artificially stimulate these bloody shovel-ready projects. Allow people to write off that expense that'll keep more people in their homes. Then they will have more of their own money that they own, that they earn, to spend on stuff. Not, oh, thank you, Mr. Government, for giving me $900 that I've already worked for you for three months of the year. So, yeah, let, how about you, you try something revolutionary and let people keep their own bloody money? How about that? Rather than, I mean, because think about this $900. It goes through the whole system and gets spat out again. How much of it is wasted? Probably 2000 bucks before you get your 900 So, yeah. I don't know. 
seems like it's the same old, same old Chicago school, you know, Keynesian approach to modern monetary policy. You know, just print more of the stuff, hand it out. She'll be right, mate. She'll be right. Anyway, guys, let me know what you think. What would you spend your free $900 on? Would it be Guinness? Anyway, like, share, and subscribe. I'll see you all tomorrow. Take care.